0: you all so much for joining in with us today on Alabama Care. And today we have on the show with us Ms. Javita Ford and also Tamika Dane. And we're going to be discussing uh, the role of a counselor in a consumer's life. And so Javita, introduce yourself to us.
1: I'm Javita Ford. I'm a VR counselor and I work with the general population. So that's anybody that has mental health diagnoses as well as physical diagnoses.
0: And how long have you been with ADRS?
1: I'm going on three years
0: now.
2: Okay.
0: Awesome. And Tamika, introduce yourself to us.
2: Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Tamika Dan Wilson. Uh, I am also a vocational rehabilitation counselor. Um, I serve the transition unit, which is primarily high school students, but I help to transition with them from high school into uh, adult life. Um, You want me to give a little bit more information about maybe some of the schools I cover? Sure. Okay, Um, I cover uh, four high schools in the greater Birmingham area, which include um, Hoover City Schools, which is um, Spain Park and Hoover High School. Um, Also, I have Leeds High School and Ramsey High School. Um, I absolutely love working with transition. um, And I've been with vocational rehabilitation since uh, in January, uh, seven years and in the field about
0: 12. That's awesome. Well, I tell you guys, I was a former consumer of the Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services. And I can only imagine what's inside my file when you guys go and read it. So (laughs) but uh, I have had the pleasure of taking advantage of all of the various services that the Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services offer. And I can tell you that it has been an absolute blessing in my life. Um, They were such an important part of my journey to getting me to where I am today. And it was an absolute dream come true when I personally, my organization, the Is Able Center, had an opportunity to uh, become CARF accredited and also um, was able to partner with the Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services. Uh, It was an absolute dream come true. And so, um, and I want the world to know about this wonderful organization and the services that they offer. So Javita, I wanna ask you a question. What is the process like to open a case for a consumer?
1: Generally, the consumer calls. um, Generally, it's our main phone number, which is 205-290-4400. And um, they give the zip code that they live in, and then they're transferred to the counselor that they would be working with. But the main thing that we look for is you have to have a, a disability diagnosis and you have to want to go to work. Or if um, we also help people that are currently employed, but they need assistance to maintain that job. But our key thing to look for is you have to have a documented disability and you have to want to go to work. So those are the two things we look for.
0: So uh, there are certain, are there certain type of disabilities that would not qualify?
1: Uh, No, sir.
0: Not that okay. I'm aware of. Okay. And for you, Tamika, how, once a case is open, how soon can a um, consumer start receiving services?
2: Um, well, it really depends. Um, as long as we, if that student or adult meets the criteria for having a disability and their interest in working, Um, We typically have about 60 days from the time we open a case to request any records um, documenting the condition and what accommodation needs that person may have. Um, Usually we can get documentation sooner, for example, if that consumer already has it and supplies it. or sometimes it can uh, be right at 60 days. Um, But once we determine eligibility, at that point we start discussing, hey, what is it that you want to do career-wise so that we can help and collaborate on what services that consumer may need to reach their employment goal. Um, So it can vary from person to person and depending on what that person's uh, accommodation needs and service needs might be. What, what documents are needed? Um, well, since I work with transition, um, I can typically use sometimes school documentation. For example, if that uh, person or student has a learning um, condition or, um, or may have a physical um, disability. Um, but I can also request medical records. Um, Sometimes uh, we work with individuals that may have had a previous case open with children's rehabilitation, so sometimes we'll reach out to them to get documentation as well. Um, So it can really depend, yes, Um, but typically it's going to either be school records and or medical records or psychological records.
0: Okay, and Javita, what does the relationship between a consumer and a counselor look like?
1: Ooh, it depends on um, the counselor that you have. Um, I know for me, I try to treat everybody like family. So I'm going to just check out continuously check in on them from month to month. Um, just let them know. Uh, we always want to let you know that there's an open line of communication. If you ever need to contact us, we're available by phone or by email or by text message. So just having that open communication so a client feels comfortable coming to you if they have any concerns or issues, questions, or they need assistance with something.
0: Well, I think that is a great approach. And uh, do you find that approach to be uh, successful?
1: I think so, yes. Because just having that month-to-month contact, I just I keep up with everybody and I would I know what's going on with each case. So should something come up or already know the background on, Hey, this was happening last month. Let me check in on this and see how things are going.
0: Tamika, let's say for instance, that there is a, uh, an issue between a counselor and a consumer. Um, how is that resolved?
2: Um, there are a number of different ways to resolve it. Um, usually it's just Uh, Like Javita said, having that communication, um, having it be as timely as possible. But then we also have backups in case, for example, um, the communication does not resolve the issue. Um, We have organizations like um, uh, SACAP, which is the state of Alabama, um, oh gosh, it's Client Assistance Program. Um, So they're kind of a mediator between vocational rehabilitation and the consumer. So in case there is a miscommunication or loss in communication, they can help to rebuild that. Just kind of explaining, hey, what are the consumer's concerns and ways communicating with the counselor and how could we resolve that so that we can be on the same page and have a more um, harmonious relationship. Mm -hmm, And then, of course, when we're developing um, plans or, you know, plans for service or plans for employment, we also have listed on that plan our immediate unit supervisors' contact information. So that way, for example, if I'm out of the office, you know, if I'm um, working at a high school, for example, um, if a consumer is unable to get me, they have access to my assistant, and also my unit supervisor who will kind of reiterate that information to me so I can make sure to to follow up and keep that line of communication open. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Javita, what type of community partnerships do the Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services has to help facilitate um, the success in a consumer's life?
1: Yeah. we work with um, community resource partners who are some of our different vendors from like IsAble. Um, we also work with United Ability, Triumph Services, Independent Advantage, Easter Seals, Workshops, Goodwill, and they can all help us with um, forming together to discuss what's the client's goal, number one goal, and what services can we utilize to help them reach that goal. Um, Mm -hmm. We also work with Glenwood and um, we have our Lakeshore office and they help with things from connections program that's working on social skills, um, also with job readiness. And then they also help with learning how to drive. So getting your driver's permit as well as getting your license and also vehicular modifications. So we kind of try to partner up with a lot of different community partners so that we can address any of the needs that a client may have that will affect employment.
0: So I kind of throw this question out to the both of you here. What's the difference between supported services and career services?
1: Well, I guess I'll answer this. I do a lot of um, both. For um, our supported employment services, that's having that extra support like a job coach. And they're basically with you from day one for your intake, doing um, milestone assessments, kind of getting you on job sites to see how you perform, where your strengths and weaknesses lie. They help you with the job search, putting in applications, going to interviews, and they actually join you on the interview if you'd like. And they help you with learning your job task. And they are there on the job until you feel like you have the job well enough that you don't need your job coach with you but one way that they differ is that they continue to um, offer services and check in on you for the duration that you have that job so if you're working there for five years at least once a month that job coach the vendor is going to be checking in on you to see if you have any issues or have any questions or concerns mm-hmm. as far as like career services They help with job readiness, um, looking for jobs, as well as um, getting placed on a job, but they're not doing that job coaching on the job per se. They're there to help you, but it's not as, in a way, hand-holding, I guess, or more of that support if you were to have to have a job coach with um, supported employment. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So... With supported employment, how long does a consumer case stay open with a CRP?
1: Do you want to answer this, Tamika?
2: Sure, um, and it's really a simple answer because it varies. It depends on the in, uh, It depends on the individual. Um, I know you had mentioned in your previous question, you know, about um, kind of competitive or. Um, um, competitive employment versus supportive employment and as far as vr or vocational rehabilitation concerns we want every consumer that we're working with if possible to reach a competitive employment goal it's just the ways in which they you know the supports that they may need to reach that um, competitive employment goal may vary Um, depending on the intellect or the um, diagnosis or the severity of the symptoms that that consumer may experience, they may need varying levels of support. Um, Because I work with transition, we start very early uh, with them, and so um, the level of support they may need at that point may be much more intensive, than maybe a person that has graduated from college. And so they have those critical thinking skills to where they're comfortable maybe answering interview questions or they are comfortable advocating for themselves. Um, We assess every student or every consumer um, based on their uh, disability and the severity of that condition. So um, job coaching can be available for either option. It's just some individuals are a bit more independent they're um, they're motivated they can do their own job search and maybe they need some assistance with preparing for the interview versus another consumer um, may have never had any work experience may not have very much social skills to where they do need a bit more help and support like uh, javita mentioned with uh, by way of a support um, uh, employment specialist to maybe help them with the interview to uh, help them learn the different job tasks that they have to be stable in that employment situation. Does that answer the question I felt like? I was just making sure I was uh, addressing the right
0: (laughs) question. Yes, you definitely addressed it. Uh, What I had asked was, um, I didn't ask about competitive employment. I asked what was the difference between supported services and career services. And so, Okay. But, okay. And you did. You did. You did answer it thoroughly. Uh, so, with uh, career services, I know that a consumer's case can be closed in ninety days, right? And with supported services, what's the time frame for a consumer case to be closed, or does it ever close? Well, those, oh, sorry,
1: Tamika.
2: Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, it really just depends um, primarily on, because, uh, again, the 90-day rule that that vocational rehabilitation has really depends on when that consumer is stable in their job. Um, some individuals can be, you know, fairly stable with job coaching within that 90-day um, round, but it doesn't necessarily have to be 90 days. Um, uh, We don't start that clock until we realize that that individual is stable. And then that's when the 90 days start. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yes, it does. I would like to take a a couple questions from some of the viewers. Javita, I'll direct the first question to you. Okay. So the question is from Vicki Oliver. She asks, does vocational rehabilitation help someone go to college to train for a career slash job?
1: We do assist with that. Um, We have to look at different factors, such as um, is that a feasible goal that they are trying to obtain? And we do that through uh, vocational evaluation. And we also do a psychological evaluation as well, just so we make sure that we're not um, discluding any uh, disabilities that may be there. But the vocational evaluation helps us to look at somebody's aptitude test, interest testing, their learning styles. So this will help us see, for example, if you wanted to go to school for nursing, that we know, okay, this is a feasible goal. So we can assist with that. But everything is based upon a sliding fee skill, which we do utilize your tax information. And if you're under 23, we have to utilize your parents' tax information. And we also um, have a list of just college documents that we need. And before any college assistance can be uh, received, we have to run everything through our supervisor. And our supervisor has to look over the case to make sure it's a feasible goal and they're taking the correct courses. And they, they know, okay, once we finish college, I can do X, Y, and Z with this degree. So um, everything is kind of like we're covering every basis to set, to show why we are assisting this person with college. So to summarize, we need to make sure it's a feasible goal, make sure that we have all diagnoses documented, make sure we have the college documentation, which is a list of different things that we need for all of our college cases and we have to get approval. And once a college plan is approved, we assist based upon a sliding fee scale.
0: Okay, and and how is a college plan approved?
1: Well, the thing that we look at is with our college checklist and it lists documents that we need from your tax information. You have to apply for FAFSA, which is the Pell Grant and Financial um, Assistance. We have to have your um, degree outline. We ask for, and to make a show in the list, we ask for your grades. So if you're going from high school into college, we need your high school transcript. If you've done some college courses before, we need that transcript to show which classes you've taken your grades. We also look at um, if your program requires the ACT or the SAT, we need that documentation. We look at um, accommodations. So if you have any sort of learning disabilities, you do um, have to apply for accommodations through the disability support services on campus. We look at a placement survey, which that is a survey where you look for at least three different employers that you could work with with a degree you're trying to obtain. And we also require an essay. And the essay asks three different questions. The first question is, why are you a good candidate for college? Why did you choose the major that you chose? And why did you choose the school that you chose? And once we get all those documents with the vocational evaluation, with the psychological evaluation, we have to present that to the supervisor and they have to let us know whether or not a college plan can be approved.
0: Okay, very thorough, very thorough. (laughs) <laughs> Tamika, I want to ask a question. Like, um, are there any like uh, gaps in ADRS services that you would like to see filled, or or, or is already in the works to being filled?
2: Well, not really. Um, I feel like the the Umbrella of Vocational Rehabilitation Services pretty much covers from early intervention from zero to three years to retirement age, um, you know, and sometimes past that. Um, But I usually, as a counselor, I usually encourage uh, um, potential consumers I let them know from the very beginning that they're going to get from the vocational rehabilitation program what they're willing to invest in the program. And that's mm-hmm. time, you know, um, attention, advocacy, communication, you know, um, especially since I work with high as I kind of start with them in high school. Sometimes I'm talking with the support group, like the teachers, like the parents or support system. Um, and the consumer in addition to that um, so that they know you know yes these services are available there is a process for applying for them um, but uh, at any point in this process if you don't follow through if there's a misstep um, you know uh, especially now since we're in, still in the midst of a pandemic A lot of our services, uh, our service provision and uh, documentation has kind of transitioned to a virtual option. And so um, letting them know, like, hey, we can start this application, but it's not complete until you sign it and get it back to us. Um, Or yeah, now we've started the application, but we have to determine that you're eligible for service, um, which can take some time depending on how fast we can get records. and then even after that process, or eligibility, as we call it, is is um, is established, at that point, it's like, hey, what do you want to do? Some students or consumers are very sure about what they want to do, and some are not, and sometimes that is it requires more services for us to say hey we need to kind of figure out what you what you want to do and where your skills lend themselves toward and then some individuals are very sure about what they want to do they have a clear idea as far as the pathway or what service needs they may have um as a counselor we're really providing options and so depending on how much communication we have those options can vary depending on you know from student to student or um or consumer to consumer. So it's not necessarily that there are gaps that require filling, but sometimes people are not fully aware of, um, you know, they think, hey, you start an application and that's it and services should start immediately. But unfortunately, it it is a process and I like to prepare them uh, as early as possible for what that's going to look like, especially if, for example, like uh, Javita mentioned college sponsorship, There's a lot of documentation that's required Um, and so letting them know like hey I may need to refer you for testing, which can take some time to complete the testing and get the results back. Um, Also, you know hey I may need to refer a student for college prep that's a service that we recommend in pursuing um, college sponsorship. And so that type of service is only offered during certain times of the year. So making sure that they're aware of that timeline and what steps lie ahead so that if they're, um, that they can continue to meet um, those deadlines. And if they have questions, knowing that they can communicate with me, um, or even if they have concerns, if they, you know, as we discuss plans uh, or um, an individualized plan, Depending on what they want to do career-wise, um, they may say, "You know what? I know you guys are recommending college prep, but I don't think I need that." You know, it's really a collaboration. Hey, here are some options that we think would help you to meet your goal. But then it's also a collaboration with that consumer saying, "You know, hey, could you benefit from this?" Or there are other services that we offer that maybe you feel you could benefit from. So it's really a communication, keeping the lines of communication open. Um, At the very least, if we're not hearing from a consumer, they're going to hear from me at least once a year, at the very least. Now, of course, I encourage that communication to be ongoing and to be as in-depth as possible, because there may be changes that are needed before the end of that one, you know, contact. And so they're going to get that feedback as fast as they let me know, you know, what questions and concerns they have.
0: Yes. Uh, Sticking with you, Tamika, I want to take a a question from a a viewer. So this is from Alicia Finley, and she asked, what types of jobs are available for people with disabilities?
2: Oh, man, (laughs) I mean, it's the world is your oyster, pretty much. Um, It's really about finding the right job match, and that can take time. the right job for one person can be totally different for another person so it's finding it's more about finding out what that person wants to do um and then also for example i'll hear students say hey i really like helping people well then there as we know there are tons of jobs that are out there that that will allow you to help individuals is just the capacity or the industry may be very different for example customer service versus um working in a grocery store um, versus being in a hospital setting or a medical um, setting. Um, The accommodation needs would be very different for each of those jobs. Um, The essential job functions of each of those jobs would be very different so it's it's really a a, um, that's kind of part of our one service that we offer, which is counseling and guidance. We don't talk enough about it, but that is the largest service that we offer with the Alabama Department of Rehab is counseling and guidance. Uh, based on what a consumer wants to do, providing options, letting them know potential hurdles that they may face so that they're prepared for those. Because it's really our job to really make sure that the consumers are aware of what barriers they may face so that we can help them to accommodate them or overcome them. Yes. Um, Yes. I think that answered the question.
0: (laughs) It does, it does. Okay. So I want to ask you a question, uh, Javita, uh, what is considered a successful case closure?
1: Um, We basically go by finding employment that the client is interested in and they've held it for 90 days. They're happy at the end of the 90 days. They they enjoy the employment position that they're in um, and they no longer need any assistance. So mainly it's the client's satisfied with the job they have, they're, they're not any problems going on and they don't feel they need to need more assistance at that time.
0: So share with me, Javita, a successful, um, success story that you may have.
1: Well, one of mine, um, we actually started helping her through college and she was going to school for nursing. So not only did we assist with nursing school Um, She has now found a job, and she works as an ER nurse, so that to me is very successful. She had her goal of, I want to be a nurse. We assisted with college and provided help with accommodations, and um, she got the job that she really wanted to do, and that was becoming an ER nurse.
0: Tamika, you have a success story?
2: I do. I have several (laughs) Um, uh, we have to hold as counselors, we have to hold tight to those uh, success stories because that can be our motivation to keep going, especially when you have uh, difficult days or times like covid when you're, um, you know, employment options are are very few. But um, one success story that um, comes to mind, um, I Um, liaisoned uh, a Project SEARCH. I don't know if you're familiar with Project SEARCH, but it's an internship program that's with a fairly large employer that may have a number of different jobs or internship opportunities. Um, We help students to transition from high school um, to being an intern, learning about job readiness, trainings, um, and they do an internship at their uh, employment site. Um, and then if they, they usually do about three rotations, as we call them, where they're in different, um, departments, uh, interning. And then if an employer in, um, has gotten to know that employee, they get, they see the job that they're doing and they're doing a good job. Um, the consumer loves their job and they love where they work. Um, and so we help that, uh, that intern to apply, um, uh, at, I think it was St. Vincent's Hospital um, and they were hired um, and they work in the sterilization. Um, they sterilize surgical equipment to get uh, the equipment ready for surgery. Yes. And the That's consumer awesome. loves their job and the employers love working with the consumer. It's just a great job match for them. That's awesome.
0: So Javita, I have another question from a, a viewer. And they asked, how do newly medically di- disabled people get directed to uh, VRS?
1: Some come directly from uh, the doctors giving that information. Um, I've had, we have a liaison with Spain Rehab. And so a lot of referrals are directed to her, and then she'll DVM out based upon the client's zip code. Um, some referrals come through. Through Facebook. They see um, the VRS page. And so they find out about what our services. and they contact the main number and then they're directed on where to go. Um, like Tamika, she's a transition counselor. Some of the referrals come through the schools. So it's a lot of word of mouth and then um, doctors, medical providers that know about us, schools, and then um, social media.
0: Oh, wow. I did not know that referrals came through social media. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I am always uh, interested in knowing why a person became a counselor. Mm -hmm. So Tamika, share with me your reason for becoming a counselor.
2: Yes. um, Well, uh, for me, my inspiration was my family. I have a sibling with a disability, um, and uh, it's well-managed. Uh, it, earlier on in life, um, I think um, seeing some of the um, obstacles that my sibling had to overcome to um, to be stabilized in employment, um, motivated me. uh, So that uh, when I was in college, um, I definitely was a psychology major. But it's like with psychology, you can do a number of different things. But um, I can definitely say it was my sibling that motivated me um, to go uh, into rehabilitation counseling and to be a counselor.
0: Javita, what motivated you? What was your inspiration?
1: Well, mine actually started I, um, Broke a piece of my pelvis bone back when I was doing track and field and like middle school. And that's where I actually learned about rehab counseling because I had to go to physical therapy and I saw the rehab counseling office next door. And I was like, what is that? And so I've always enjoyed like talking to people and helping people. But then like I found out, you know, working with people with disabilities, that's where my heart lies is helping others, helping them achieve their goals. And so that kind of led the steps with me getting hurt, led the steps to me learning about counseling and rehab counseling. And my heart just gravitated towards that. So just to see people that have a disability, but they don't let that stop them. They want to reach their goals and being able to help somebody reach their goals is what I'm passionate about. And that's why I chose this field.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Tamika, how big is your
2: caseload? Oh, oh man, it's fairly large. Um, uh, now, naturally, transition caseloads are going to be a bit larger because we are working with area high schools. Um, but currently, my caseload is about 370 currently. Wow. Javita, how big is
0: your caseload?
2: My caseload is a bit smaller,
1: so I'm at 88. On my okay. Case and the highest, I think, has been in the 90s, but that's about okay. it.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Well, you guys, I'll tell you, counselors, I know you guys kind of serve in the background and people don't see you all out front, but the role that counselors play in a consumer's life is so valuable you're the point of contact and and uh, the first person a, a consumer calls when they have a need or an issue and and just the work that you all do is just so wonderful and so awesome and I just really wanted to kind of you know highlight that today and let people hear you know the, 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 the wonderful work you all do and the wonderful services that you know, uh, Alabama Department Rehabilitation Services provide. Um, I, I consider myself a success story from the Alabama Department Rehabilitation Services, and I just have so many um wonderful stories and that I can tell from you know the counselors that 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 I've had, and and just so grateful for the work that you all do. I really am.
1: Thank you.
0: And so. Before we close out today, uh, Javita, please tell everyone how they can get in contact with uh, ADRS.
1: Um, You can contact us, like I said, through um, our email. Like you can find the Facebook page for Alabama Department of Rehab Services. And you can actually type in a message and that will go to our um, department and they'll direct you who to talk to or you can call our main number here in the Birmingham location, which is 205 290 And that gets you to our switchboard. And then once you give them your zip code, they'll direct you to the counselor that you will be assigned to work
0: with. Thank you all so much for being a part of the show today. Are there any uh, questions or comments that you guys may have to close today?
2: I do. Um, because I am a transition counselor, you know, I'm you know just kind of looking out for the high school <laughs> referral too. Um, typically high school referrals um, are depending on what school that student is zoned for. So for example, they may be attending a private school, but if they're zoned for where their address is, the high school that they're zoned for is usually going to be the counselor that that um, student is going to be referred to. Um, like Javita said, they can give us a call, they can email us, um, if they are already working with an aspect of rehabilitation already, for example, if they're already seeking services through children's hospital, um, then they can just let their case manager know with children's, and then they will get in contact with the adult services so that they can have that continuation of services on through high school and on into their adult life.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
2: You're welcome. Thank you
0: guys again for being a part of the show today. And also I wanna thank Alexander Byam with Alabama Care for giving us an opportunity to share on this platform. You all have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you.